There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You're listening to U105 of the Best. A roundup of the top chat, interviews and quizzing from the past week on Northern Ireland's Best Mix, U105. Morris and Denise were harking back to simpler times when pints didn't leave you bankrupt on breakfast this week, before picking their favourite bygone eras to jump in a DeLorean to visit. I was chatting to a friend yesterday and they were remarking on how pleased they were that they got a pint of beer for four quid. Okay. Uh, the average, apparently, <coughs> is £4.57 for a pint of lager. Right. right. And then, as he was saying it to me, I was thinking, hang on, four quid yeah. for a pint of beer, and we're thankful. Yeah. Like, how much does it cost? Think of that glass sitting in front of you, and what's in it? The vast majority is water. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. It's like 99.9% water or something ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like... We're being thankful that he got a pint for four pounds. That's, that's shocking. No. The pint of the, the cost of pints out and about is wild. So it depends geographically where you are, doesn't it? It does. So, so I was just reading a wee thing there, but it put it in my head. And it was saying, um, sort of, most drinkers don't believe that a pint of beer uh, is affordable anymore. Almost half said a glass was fairly unaffordable and 10% branded. The National Bevy is very unaffordable. So it's just like, it's just, when I was, I was thinking about it yesterday, going, he just said that four pounds was reasonable for a pound of beer. Look at what you get for that. Four pounds for that? Four pounds? No, because if you're out and you're out with maybe a group of friends, think about what that's going to cost Hello. for your round. Yes. Shocking, shocking exactly. prices. Shocking prices. Anyway, elsewhere. Sort of on the subject of drinking, uh, well, 18 to 30 holidays. Remember when we were growing up? 1830 holidays yes. and then the sort of pub crawls and the games with balloons on the beach type holidays well nowadays 18 to 30 holidays mean going to the gym when you're away to keep fit um, eating the local food I understand that yes but having massages and doing yoga as well that is a very far cry from <laughs> following a crowd round on a pub crawl <laughs> or passing a balloon between ah, your legs I see <laughs> See, uh, are they millennials, 18 to 30s anymore? That's Generation Z. Generation Z. Yeah. Uh, no, Gen- the Generation Z, 18 to 30 holidays, are yeah. yes. A far cry. <laughs> Morris and Denise here till nine. Hope you're well this morning. You were saying... So Doc has his time travel car. Yes. And you're allowed to go back to whatever period you want. What one would you choose? If I could go back to any time in history. Yes. Can you go forward? 
Oh, you want to go forward? Well, maybe. I would probably rather go forward than back. But if I was going back, I think I would go back to probably around AD 20. Right. Is that called the Iron Age? No. No, that's called the Jesus Age. Right, okay. Just to see the crack. Just to see what was going on. Just, you know, just that, to be in the big crowd. Just to be, just to say, all oh, right, okay, gotcha, right, that's what's happening. Okay. okay. That, yeah. that would probably be my first instinct. Right. And then everybody wants to go to Egypt. Everybody wants to go Don't to Egypt. Don't they? Yeah. Um, is it number one? No, it's no. not, but there oh. is an ancient something at number one. An, yes. an, ancient, an ancient something? Yes. Frank Mitchell's birthday. <laughs> no? We can't go back that no, far. We can't go back that far, yeah. okay, fair enough. Uh, go on then. Ancient Rome, ancient apparently, Rome. has topped this pole or of the Greece. era. Yeah, okay. yeah, we want to go back to... Is that because they all wore togas and they all got it on? It's called the old lay around at grapes. Right, well, that's it. Well, that's I sort of remember. Yeah. There was a video going around, wasn't it, at the time that I wasn't allowed to see of some some bloke in a toga with lots of women around. Caligula. Yeah, there you go. That's what it's called. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I haven't seen it since either, but maybe people I don't think know. that's Would you go back to ancient Rome? Like, what have the Romans ever done for us? I uh, know. What did they Anyway, do? elsewhere? Uh, what else? Were, so uh, what's number two? Okay, you've got uh, the Wild West. has come in at number well, two. Well, that's, that's straight out of, uh, what do you call it? Back um, to the Future. It is, isn't it? Uh, back to the Future 2 or 3 or something. They yeah. went back to the Wild West. Yeah. Uh-huh. You've got Medieval Britain. That's not, that's sort of... Mm. For what bit in particular? What the, what? Back to the Dark Ages, see the odd bit of torture. That's great. <laughs> Stone Age, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the Stone Age, I don't know what, what that, these periods are. I didn't do my history well enough at school okay. to know these periods. Uh, the Jurassic period. Uh-huh. Is that no that? need, you can watch the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Iron Age of then sex, the Industrial Revolution, which would have been that sort of time when lots of things were being invented. Uh, yes, uh, press and what, 1800s, mid-1800s? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then people want to go back to World War One or two. Uh, yes, a lot of people want to, want to yeah, are very, very interested in it. And, you know. Yeah, no, you wouldn't really want to see the horrors up close, would you? Yeah. So. We were asking earlier on, uh, where, if you could go back in time, to what era, what period would you go back to? Uh, good morning, G, who says, I would go back to 1966 to see England win the World Cup, because you'll never see that again. <laughs> oh, who was that? That was from G. Thank you, Jeez. G. Good morning. Uh, yes, you'll never hear about it again either. So, good morning. And the pup wants to go back to 1980s USA. Oh, yeah. 1980s USA. Yeah. Everything good on there. It was all things phobias with Frank on Tuesday, as he and hypnotherapist Warren York discussed the legitimacy of the things folk are most scared of and how they can best overcome them. Are people really afraid of the dark? It's in the top ten. And we've managed to get the hypnotherapist that I was talking about, Warren York. Warren, good morning. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm very, very well, Warren. Tell me, are people seriously afraid of the dark? Is that one of the phobias that you could talk them through? Yeah, it's one I had quite recently, um, but it was linked to a bit of claustrophobia as well and that sense of being confined, you know, not being able to see your surroundings. So there's there's always links. It's never quite as simple as just the dark. 
So what do you do if someone is claustrophobic? Because of all the problems that I might have, that's the one, that's the one that I'd have a bit of an issue with. And it goes back to uh-huh. being being a, a little child, I fell into a vat of lime. And, you know, and I almost drowned right. in a vat of lime as, as a three-year-old. And I, I, can, mm-hmm. I can still sense that when, you know, if the duvet is up over your head or my head's buried in the pillow when I, when I wake in the middle of the night, I have to push the pillow off and mm-hmm. give my head a bit of a shake and sit up on the bed and feel, oh yeah, breathe the air of the room. That, you know, yeah. definitely goes back to that experience uh, of childhood. So wh- what would you say to me if I was telling you that my claustrophobia was getting worse? Well, most fears are phobias. Phobias are more severe. They're, they're like literally a fear of dying in the situation. But most fears are created in childhood. They're either learned, um, no fault of their own easy, by a family member or a friend. Um, they're picked up by an experience like yourself. Um, but then a part of you has wired that into the neurology saying basically, let's protect the boss here, you, from something similar, preventing you from coming to any harm. So it's wired that in from three years old. And the same with anybody with a fear of dogs. It might have got bitten or barked at or the fear of spiders because it's all mum screaming at a spider. And their brain wires it in as a protective impulse. Now, that lasts for life because the brain, the subconscious, believes it to be protecting you. So until it's updated in a way, just like your phone or laptop needs an update, it'll run that software, that program to protect you. Now, you're not going to fall into a vat of lime again, hopefully, but your brain will generalize to make sure that something similar doesn't happen. So we need to sort of re-educate your subconscious to still protect you against real dangers in the world, but not over-respond to certain things like a duvet. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, what's the difference between what you do as a hypnotherapist and what the likes of Dirty Maguire from DirtyMaguire.com would do, who takes you back to what's in your mind and mind wellness and all of that and tries to unravel your problem from earlier, earlier years. Are you able to put the person to sleep and click the fingers and it's sorted? It's not quite asleep, but there can be deep relaxation, Where, it, but it's more really to get the mind focused on the root causes of the issue. So there's, there's crossovers between all, all these therapies, but it's let's go back and re-examine that situation. Um, you came out of it alive and safe, so you re-examine it, but my job as a hypnotherapist then is to talk directly to your supercomputer of the subconscious. You know, our conscious mind's just on the tip of the iceberg, really, and the rest of our... Our, our conscious or subconscious mind is running our physical systems, heartbeat, breathing, immune systems. It's running how to walk, talk, drive a car, but also runs other things that it thinks useful, like a fear. So I would talk almost as if we could imagine talking to that part running that system and ask it, would it be okay to update, and make you know whatever experience it might be seem more neutral? So I used to have a fear of public speaking, and here I am on the radio. So I had hypnotherapy to overcome my fear of public speaking, which I think I got in primary school because of a certain teacher that wasn't so helpful. So I got hypnotherapy from a different hypnotherapist. Um, I was able to learn breathing techniques, re-educate my subconscious that this isn't a fearful situation necessarily. Yeah, it's, and so you, it can't, it's never too late to try to counteract what the challenge is. And this is why you can deal with people who have fear of flying or fear of heights, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, there's sort of a rational element to things like a, a fear of heights or flying. You know, there's a protective element to that, but there is a, a, a rational element. So the conscious mind, usually when someone comes in, they're very intelligent. They know they shouldn't have a fear of heights or spiders or flying because it's very safe. But there's a part of them running this system. So we need to really not talk to their conscious, rational mind that we're talking with now, but talk to the part that's running the system, running your incredible programs and software. And it's very relaxing. You're always aware and in control, but it's almost a direct communication to your vast supercomputer of a brain. Now, the research shows, this isn't me saying it, it's shown by the research. I know people have slapped my wrist for even highlighting it, but I'm just going by the facts here. More women have phobias than men have phobias. Do you, do you find that? Um, I haven't really found that, to be honest, in my practice. It's been a, a split 50-50. I read that, that article this morning, but um, I don't really find that. You know, so maybe they talk about it more, perhaps, um, that's the only thing I can put it down to. Maybe they seek help for those things more. Um, but now it's, I see it's quite a, a split between men and women. And is there is there a difference in the challenge of someone, a patient of yours, overcoming a phobia and overcoming, say, an addiction to cigarettes or, or similar? It's, it's quite similar, actually. You know, the, I always look at it as a part of someone thinks a thing is useful and can we update that information. Even someone smoking, it doesn't seem useful at all, but maybe it gives them a break or maybe it gives them five minutes to themselves. And actually, it's kind of like a breathing technique, smoking. So if we can fulfill all the needs of whatever an addiction is, then they don't need to do the habit anymore. So it's explaining to you a part of the system that we don't need to maintain this either fear, phobia or addiction. Or habit. Okay. Yeah, I'm going from my Wayans to my Warrens. Uh, Warren, I'm out of time <laughs> out of time on it, but uh, because you've been so kind and joined us at the drop of a hat, if someone did want to contact mm-hmm. you, how do they do it? Uh, you can get in touch, info at warrenyorkhypnotherapy.com, which is like the website, warrenyorkhypnotherapy.com. Lovely. Is it York E or without the E? Without the E, and I've got free stuff on my YouTube channel, so just look up Warren York Hypnotherapy. There's many, many different techniques and free recordings. You can have a look and have a listen. Lovely job. Warren, thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, Warren York here on the U105 phone-in. What's your phobia? How did you manage to overcome it? Or maybe you're still facing it. Maybe you have some other guru that you'd like to suggest. Some method to overcome the madness. Vicky the Vet joined Carolyn and the Bistro to answer their pet-loving listeners' questions about their favourite animals' health issues, while also discussing what to do when your washing gets wet. Talking about whenever you've got your washing out and it starts to rain, do you leave it there to dry, did you bring it in, or do you wash it all over again? I can guarantee you, Carolyn, that you take the clothes back in and wash them again. Let them be, they'll be grand. It's like people complaining it's going to rain after getting their windows cleaned, says Ronan in Lurgan. I wonder what Vicky the Vet would do in a situation like that. Um, when you've got kids, so it'll probably be a nightmare to have to bring them all back in again. What have you done? Absolutely. I've probably done a combination of all. Yes. Um, you know, I've left them on the line, depending on whether we're going to get a bit of sunshine later. Yeah. Occasionally brought them in if it's been really heavy rain or yeah. like a thunderstorm. Um, I would put it probably put it through a, a quick cycle. Yes, uh, try and save the water exactly. a little bit. Exactly. You know how much it costs now again. <laughs> Nowadays to do your washing, do you want to have to do it twice? Um, Sinead came in and she said, most, "Most definitely, I would wash it again." Um, but why? 
Louise says, well, my washing has been out from yesterday. And it's dry now. Result. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. Um, Vicky, welcome back. I know you had a wee bit of a holiday there, so um, nice relaxing break. It was lovely. Thank you, yes. Caroline. It was really lovely. Oh, and have you been well? Yes, absolutely. I had a holiday just before yours. So yeah. It's probably been about a month since we've, we've seen each other. So it's good to have you back. And the queries are coming in. Thank um, you. People looking at um, their four-legged friends and any issues. Kim says, she's listening in Malayal, and she says, could you ask Vicky about my three dachshunds? Mum, Daisy... Bella and Barney. Bella and Barney are one year old. Um, Barney has been licking and scratching his front underarms. It's raised and very lumps, but no smell or no broken skin. And it just sort of comes and goes. Has had it three to four weeks. Um, um, has had hydrocortisone steroid-based cream. Any advice? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we see this quite common at this time of year when there's that fluctuation in um, heat. So when we get kind of hot spells followed by cold spells, it's quite a damp area of the of the body. So it can get a, a build up of yeast. So um, it would be worth potentially just going to get that. Like you can do a little um, tape test at the vets. So they'll take a little sample of it and have a look under a microscope to see if we've got a yeast type of infection. And then there's really good products out there that are antifungal that will then break that up and hopefully break that cycle if that's what's happening um, as long as they're eating well and drinking well then a good kind of um, one of the medicated shampoos would be a place to start mm-hmm. if it starts to push like get pustules so little bits of pus then that's when we've kind of got like a bit of a secondary bacterial infection when sometimes we need to give them a bit extra uh, extra medication and extra help so um, I would I would just go back and say look it's still not quite cleared up after the steroid cream that's an anti-inflammatory so it helps that process mm-hmm. but we want to kind of break if there is an overproduction of yeast or bacteria then we want to get on top of that okay so can so maybe we trip back to the vet and just keep on top of that so nothing else um, comes out of it um i have a bichon maltese two years old and recently she's constantly been biting at her front paws no changes and her food has been the same what can i do to help her stop Oh, bless. So um, a couple of things, again, similar to the first query. So just making sure you've got a really good um, medicated uh, shampoo will help with that and trying to rinse them, get into the habit of rinsing them when they come in from a walk or in from the garden, particularly if we've got that wet squidgy ground where we've had the rain recently that's just a nightmare for paws um, and one of the things that we sometimes forget is actually to leave the uh, shampoo on their feet if you can for a good co- a period of contact time so kind of five to ten minutes sometimes if they can tolerate it so might be worth giving them a like a kong or, or something to do whilst that really gets in and soaks off and then really rinse it and dry in between those toes so um, get a towel that you use for that and do wash it obviously <laughs> hang it on the line that doesn't matter so much if it gets wet um, and dries again but try and dry in between those toes as much as possible um, work with the dog before you get those um, issues as well so that you're not doing it when they're sore so I know in this case we've got the got the irritation but getting them used to having their feet handled and touched as much as you can will really help you be able to treat it if you need to do anything further yeah it makes sense so they're not going to be annoyed with it they're, yeah. u- they're used to it um, very good now what about Stuart's problem that he has with his fox nose Pomeranian 10 months old and he's telling me that it has started to pee in the house like all of a sudden um, other information that he's given me here um, one testicle has fallen, the other is still in his groin waiting to have his operation and the vet is aware of this the issue is that he's peeing about the house even though the back door is fully open for him to go out um, 
So what do you think? I mean, what's happening here? So a couple of things. I would get a urine sample. So for any kind of sudden change like that, if we were house trained before then, so if he'd had really consistent house training, then getting a urine sample to make sure there's not a urinary tract infection going on would be number one. Number two, he's obviously got a medical condition. So that retained testicle usually needs to, that, that's what I imagine what he's t- talking about with the operation. So that's a castration. So you, t- you take the one that's in the inguinal region and the one that's, that's descended away. Um, rarely does that actually, unless it's marking. So it's trying to work out whether he's actually got a full void of urine or whether he's actually what we call marking, which male dogs will do. Um, the way you tell the difference between that is generally volume. So if there's a lot of volume of urine, then I'd be thinking more urinary tract infection get on top of that first if it's little spot marking then that might be something that's behavioral okay um so try and work out what those two are if it is urine marking that is one of the behaviors where castration can sometimes help mm-hmm. um so it doesn't always because it can be a bit of a learned behavior so getting a really good cleaner um that actually works that doesn't smell of ammonia like we've talked in the past so making sure it's a dog uh, specifically for cleaning urine off of dogs or an enzymatic cleaner will be a really good place to start so that he doesn't keep going to the same spot yes. um, and that everything there is is clear um, and it'll be interesting to know whether he's doing it up on a surface or, or if it's on a um, horizontal surface because again that will help um, rarely. Why, do, what would be the difference be? So if he's if he's marking then quite often they'll cock a leg and do little spots whereas if it's a, if it's to do with a urinary tract infection or something going on with the bladder then they don't always cock their leg Right. so okay. it's working out that difference right. to, see, to see what's going on as and well. And if it was a behaviour thing, how do you stop it? So castration can be one of the things actually as long as there's so castration in in um, behavior there's there's lots of contradictory information out there um ideally with our male dogs um you do it can sometimes make them a little bit fearful if there is a little bit of fear around it um but if we've got a well-grounded dog then generally it's a good thing to do to stop that marking behavior it will have an impact on it the sooner it's done, given that he's got the retained testicle, there are health implications of that retained testicle. So um, castration in his case is, isn't a medical necessity, really. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something to definitely get on top of. But I would drop a urine sample in just to make sure there's not a urinary tract infection on top of everything else that's going on. OK, all right. Um, Stuart, um, you've heard the advice. Um, get uh, a urine sample in there and make sure that your wee dog is OK. Um, and if it is uh, behavioural, then you've got a wee bit of work to do to try and stop yeah. that from happening being a nightmare around your house. I know, it? it's so hard. It is so hard. But, you know, in his case, hopefully those two things, if we can rule out the medical, then, um, you know, castration has been proven in those things to helpfully reduce that mm-hmm. as long as it hasn't become such a learned component. And that's when, again, just every opportunity you get, take him out. So almost have, you can actually, um, when I revisit, house training in adult dogs so you know rescue dogs that have never been fully house trained mm-hmm. one of the difficult things is actually having them almost on a lead with you all the time when you walk around the house that you can really interrupt just mm-hmm. before because they'll give that behavior sequence just before they're about to to urinate so yes. watch for the sniff the snorkeling head down that like you would in a puppy yes that's your sign just to get him outside and and hopefully let him go in the place where we want him to go yeah all right we better work to be done but you'll achieve that i'm sure Back on breakfast, Morris was miffed at the definition of what makes a one-hit wonder, and with the help of the morning listeners, he and Denise debated the recently published top ten list of here today, gone tomorrow, number ones. In the papers today, video killed the radio star by the Buggles and the Weather Girls. It's raining men have been voted the favourite one-hit wonders of all time. 
One has wonders. There's no yes. Wigfield there anywhere. No. The tunes tied for the top spot, beating Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky. A true one hit wonder. Yeah. And I'm going to be 500 miles by the Proclaimers. I wouldn't proclaim. I wouldn't proclaim them a one-hit wonder no, either. Though they had that, they had at least two others. You see, it depends they? what the definition of a hit is. Does it have to be top forty then? Well, you see, that was my thinking. My thinking was that it had to be a top forty. Yeah. So if that's the case, none of those are well, apart from Norman Greenbaum, because right. he only ever had one song. I thought Garth Gates did that song. He did, but that, that's the, Norman Greenbaum is still a one-hit wonder oh, right. himself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sinead O'Connor's now on there. Nothing compares to you. Again, she's had other records. <laughs> Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. I'm sure he had something else. He just didn't mm-hmm. didn't, didn't qu- climb quite to those heights. Uh, Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks and Macarena by Los Del Rio. See, uh-huh. so I had to look up what the definition of a one-hit wonder was. Because to me, it was one song in the charts. Yeah, that's it. Right, yeah. that's not. According to the Guinness Book of Hit Singles, which is the Bible of the hit singles, a one-hit wonder is a song which has got two number one and is oh. the only chart entry by that artist on the charts that gets to number one. So that's quite a small list. Yeah. So can you think of any, apart from Norman Greenbaum, because I've now told you. Yes. He, uh, that was his one and only song on okay. the charts ever, and it got to number one. Yes. So that's quite a narrow list, I would think. I'm now thinking, shut up or your face is coming to... Doc, what's the matter, you... <laughs> Got no respect. What do you think? You know? Why are you looking so sad? It's not so bad. It's a nice place. I should not be afraid. So we're talking this morning about uh, favourite one-hit wonders. And we were asking earlier on the definition of a one-hit wonder. Now, the official definition of a one-hit wonder, according to the Guinness Book of Hit Singles, is a band or artist that has had literally one number one hit and nothing else on the charts. So one number one hit and nothing else in the charts. Which is a very narrow list, you would think. So uh, some of, so I've had to look up the official list, uh, well, supposedly official list uh, on Wikipedia of one-hit wonders, right? Uh-huh. So uh, Arthur Brown's in there. I am the god of hellfire and I bring you fire. Right, so we're going back, we'll go back maybe 55 years. Okay. There's a few more before that, but uh, Jane Birkin, Serge Gainsbourg, Je t'aime. Oh, that's the Moni song, is that? Yeah, the Archie's Sugar Sugar was a proper one-hit oh. wonder. Lee Marvin, Wandering Star. Spirit in the Sky, we mentioned, Norman Greenbaum. Other uh, classics on here include uh, Brian and Michael, the Matchstick Men and Matchstick Cats and Dogs, which somebody's mentioned oh. there. I need a ward, Ring My Bell. I like that song. Yeah, you can ring, ring my, my bell. bell. Lena Martell, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Oh, yes. uh, Fern Kinney, Together We Are Beautiful. The, the, the MASH and the theme from MASH. Was that the... Yes. Remember the theme for MASH, yeah, that was on there. Yeah. St. Winifred School Choir. There's no one quite like Grandma. Grandma. Thankfully, that was a one it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one that you mentioned. Yes. Joe Dolce, Shut Up Your Face. Is it there? It's there. Charlene, Never Been to Me. I love that. Yeah. Mars, Pump Up the Volume. Yeah. And Partners in Crime, not to be confused with the local band Partners in Crime. Uh-huh. Bryce Norrie and his crying. This is the turtle version. <laughs> the turtle's partners in crime. But there's some here that the listeners have mentioned. And I think they are right. So there's somebody, a lot of people mentioned Nana and 99 Red Balloons. 
And I'm thinking, I can't think of another Nana song. A lot of people are saying Chesney Hawks, but he had other hits. Chesney Hawks is the famous one everybody thinks is the Yeah, one. but it's not. He, he had other hits. Uh, Stephen and Glenavy was one to mention Nana and 99 Red Balloons. I had a look on the official charts. She only had one hit, and it went to number one, 99 Red Balloons. So well done. So listeners. why is she not on the Wikipedia list? Yeah. So well done. Good morning. This morning, because it's in the papers, we've got onto the subject of one-hit wonders. Yeah. And it's a lot to get through here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for all the uh, texts and messages this morning. So, uh, basically, they were voting on the nation's favourite one-hit wonders. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them aren't one-hit wonders. Because when you look up the definition of one-hit wonder, according to the Guinness Book of Hit Singles, it is a song that has got to number one by a band or artist with no other entries on the chart at all for any other song. Yeah. So, it's literally one number one and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it's a, it's a fairly narrow list, but the listeners have identified so far at least one that wasn't on the official list. Yeah, and that was Nana, 99 yeah. Red Balloons. Because I can't find any other song by her on yeah. the charts. And we're talking UK charts. So, yes. not, so as somebody said, <laughs> yeah, but it's in Germany. Yes, but this is UK. Yeah. So, uh, good morning, Morris and Denise. What about Renee and Renata? Oh, save, save love, your my love, darling. my darling. Went to number one. Yeah. I can't see on the official charts any other listing for Renee and Renata. But it didn't appear on the Wikipedia list. So Mm. there's another one. Maybe Wikipedia list. What's this Wikipedia? Maybe it does. Yeah. Uh, Or what about that guy who sang, I want to wake up with you? Oh, Boris Gardner. Boris Gardner. He had a number one. Yeah. But he had other hits. Ethel and Kelly Lay, you're right though. I I think you're right with Renee and Renata. So Uh we need need to look into that a bit further. Uh, A lot of people saying Terry Jack, Season in the Sun, it was number one. But he had other hit records. He had one other hit. Uh, George from Antrim, what about Tarzan Boy Baltimore? Oh, I love that wee song. Got to number one. Yeah. Can't see any other mention of Baltimore in the charts with any other songs. So there's another one that wasn't on the Wikipedia list. Baltimore from Derry. Yes. Uh, So that's another one that was on the list. Well done. Billy Ray. Billy Ray Cyrus. Don't break my heart, my achy break. Oh, no, he has. He had a song there with Little Nas, didn't he? Yeah. Um, What about... Ernie, the fastest milkman in the West. I've heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> it says Tom in Portadown. Yeah. Uh, it did get to number one, but Benny Hill had other hits on the charts. That wasn't his only hit, I'm afraid. Uh, let me see. So many needs to get through. Um, to another one for Terry Jags. Gautier, somebody that I used to know. Yes, that's, that's on the list. One. That's yeah. on the list. That was their only hit single. Uh, Thunderclap Newman, something in the air, says Heather this morning. Ooh. Hmm, that, that could... I, I um, can I tell don't, you that's, yeah, 1969. I don't think it got... To, did it get the number one? It did get the number yeah. one. And it was their only hit. It was yeah. indeed a one-hit one. So, well done. Who said that one? Heather said that Heather one this morning. Kajigugu, Too Shy. Nope, because they had... Um, Ooh, To Be Ah was another single that they had. yeah. The Smurfs, uh, no, they had other hits. Did they? Uh, Terry Wogan, <laughs> no, he had one other hit apart from uh, floral dance. Floral dance, yeah. yeah. So it's not that. Uh, Judy Cheeks, no. Uh, Chesney Hawks, we've mentioned, no. Mr. Blobby. He just had the one, didn't he? No, he had other hits. He did not. He did. <laughs> Cash in there, Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> he did, so that doesn't count. Uh, there's AG and Newton Abbey saying Renee and Renata as well. Yep. 
Chesney Hawks? No, he had one other hit, I think. Um, uh, a lot of people saying him this morning. And it was Stephen who mentioned uh, uh, Nena as well. So there's so many to get through, but most of them actually. Yeah, Falco, accurate. yes. I think, no, oh. hang on, no, no, no. Vienna Calling. Falco, oh, do you remember did. he had another song called yeah. Vienna Calling? Rock Me on the Day, I went to number one. Yes. Um, mental as anything, live it up. I have a feeling they did they get to number one. I think they might have, but um, the Australian band, yeah, um, they did. Uh, they didn't. They got to number three. Oh, okay. So see, it's it's quite a narrow list. Yeah. See, for me, a one-hit wonder should be a song that charts in the top forty. Yeah. And then goes just literally one song in the top forty, but get to get to number one is fairly narrow now. Joe had help from his wee pal Milo on Minute to Win It with Johnny on Wednesday. But was it enough to get the victory over Lawrence? Play along with both of them now and see if you could beat the four-legged quizzer. Now on the quiz, Joe kicking off for us. Joe, how you doing? Not too bad, Johnny. We're still suffering after the questions yesterday. We, we had to go and see a psychiatrist. Give me head peace, Joe. They were wee buns. <coughs> Well, we got two. You got two, but that's because you're thick. No, I'm. <laughs> no, they were a bit. I mean, I was looking at them last night again. You know, there was a whole bunch of questions of that kind of caliber, and I just binned them. They were like, "Oh dear," you know. The, the idea of a quiz, even if you, if you notice, if you're writing a pub quiz, a good quiz will carry most of the people with it for the length of the quiz. You know, uh, you, um, you you want teams to drop a point here or there, but you need to keep people interested. If it's too hard. Uh, even if there's a team getting them all right, if it's too hard for everybody else, everybody gets bored, and you know, yeah, that's it. You lose your numbers. So yeah, exactly. So try to do that here, where most people are kind of shouting at the radio a bit, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, but well, listen, Maureen, me and Milo are busting to go here. <laughs> Who's with you? Maureen, me and Milo. Milo, who's Milo? He's a we call it. Ah, brilliant. How old is Milo? Oh, looking at Maureen, she's four fingers up, so that means he's 12. <laughs> I think. Right. It just sounded funny. He says, how old's Milo when you says I'm looking at Maureen? As if, whoa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly look in the mirror anymore, for flip's sake. <laughs> right. <laughs> Minute on the Go clock. Bladder through these. If you are stuck, shout help, Okay. No bother, thanks, Sally. Here we go. What's the name of the main family in Downton Abbey? Right. Smith, Marley or Crawley? Crawley. Crawley. Crawley's correct. What's the name of the pub in EastEnders? Pub in EastEnders. Queen Vic. It is correct. Origami is the Japanese art of what? Paper folding. Is correct. Tortillas and tacos are common in which country's cuisine? Mickey Cole. Is correct. What sign of the zodiac is represented by the bull? Taurus. Taurus is correct. Who is Emilio Estevez's famous father? Help. Martin Sheen, Michael Douglas, or Kirk Douglas? Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Is correct. What, what's the name given to a courtyard in a castle? Help. A keep, a bailey, or a portcullis? Keep. It's a bailey. In Oliver Twist, who owns a dog called Bullseye? Help. Fagan, Artful Dodger, or Bill Sykes? Dodger. 
I dare we're guessing. Bill Sykes, Rotten Piggy was bad. Or sorry, Bill Sykes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad line here, Johnny. I was a wee bit breaking up. There. It sure was. <laughs> right, let me see. Yeah. Ten points, okay? Like not, bad. not too bad. See you next time. Just give the microphone to Milo, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joe, Maureen, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Over See you later. Bye. Joe and Maureen getting 10 and good crack with it. Okay. So that's what you're up against. What we've given you so far. Mike, Grandpa Joe, Veruca and Arthur Slugworth. Those are the answers. What was the original survey question? Oh. Right, on the, on the quiz, uh, Lawrence, how you doing? I'm good, sir. Yourself? Oh, great, great. Have you anybody there with you? Yes, good to see Sandra and the daughter Natasha. Sorry, I missed that. What was it? I know your daughter Natasha. Who else was there? Uh, wife, Sandra. Oh, Sandra. Right, okay. No problem at all. Okay, just to, to see what the story is, because Milo the dog got 10 points, helped by Joe and Maureen. Uh-huh. So... I heard that, yeah. Uh, yes, we've got your questions here. Um, so you got to beat 10. Get through these quickly as you can. If you're stuck, shout help, Lawrence. Ready to go? Yes, go ahead, man. All right, here we go. A fox terrier called Leica was the first dog to do what? Go to space. Correct. What was Judy Garland's character called in The Wizard of Oz? Dorothy. Correct. What type of curtain was said to divide East and West during the Cold War? Iron. Correct. The yen is the unit of currency in which country? Japan. Is correct. Now, Liam, Harry, Zane and Louie were all members of which pop group? One Direction. direction. (laughs) Correct. Who directed the film Pulp Fiction? Quentin Tarantino. Correct. Sofia is the capital of which country? Bulgaria. Is correct. Which country singer had a hit with achy, breaky heart? Help. Kenny Rogers, Marty Robbins, or Billy Ray Cyrus? Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray. Which Irish county is also the name of a five-line nonsense poem? Limerick. Correct. Who was the Roman god of love? Oh, help. Mars, Cupid, or Valentine? Uh, Cupid. It was Cupid. Well done. I think you've won here. I could hear some help. Was it Sandra or Natasha helping? Oh, they were both helping. Oh, were they? Right, okay. Tough good of them. Two, four, six. That was diplomatic there, by the way. <laughs> you mean you lied. Right, two, four, six. <laughs> then, 14. 18 points. That's very good, Lawrence. So you are the winners today. You're oh. going to go into the draw on Friday, okay? That's great, Johnny. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. Now. Thanks. There you go. Two good sets of quizzers today, and it was 18-10. Lawrence, Sandra, and Natasha, the winners. How did you do yourselves? Thanks for listening to this week's U105 of the Best. For all this and more, tune in weekdays on FM, on DAB, on our free app. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.